Hello, everyone, and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about my journey through the world of cinema. I am your host, Patrick, and you can follow all of my movie watching through my Letterbox account. My name on there is Long Monkey, and you can check out my weird fiction and other projects on my website, proleary.com. Uh, if you're new here in this podcast, I'll talk about what movies I've been watching and then do a little dive into like a small section of film uh, in order to expand my horizons. And this is a special episode because I have a guest who has chosen the topic for today. Uh, so if you stick around at the end, you may get two uncommon film recommendations instead of one. So welcome to the show, Eric, my good friend. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm excited to talk about some movies, and I'm excited to talk about your topic. But before we get to that topic, we should talk about some other movies that we've been watching. Um, Just a note about spoilers. Uh, We will not spoil any movies in this segment, but when we get to the main segment, segment, there may be some, so be forewarned. All right, Eric, I have eight movies to talk about. I'm going to start back in Halloween times when mutual friend Eddie and I were going through our Harathon, which I know you watched some. Unfortunately, last yes. Four mo- <laughs> yes. I don't think you watched any of these. The last four movies. Uh, we'll start with Beyond the Door from 1974. Beyond the Door is like an exorcist ripoff directed by uh, Ovidio As- Asunitis. And it is a story of this woman who gets possessed by a demon because she's given birth to Satan's child. And it's very corny, but it has incredible, incredibly funny scenes and incredibly cool scenes, a rockin' soundtrack, and two really weird kids. <laughs> there's this, yeah, there's this kid who just obsessed with drinking soup with a straw, like out of a can. <laughs> and it's it's so much fun to watch. And then when we get to the kid's room and he had a painting of soup on the wall. I just lost it. <laughs> I, I really recommend this one. It's just like a goofy, fun horror movie. That was Beyond the Door. Next movie I'm talking about is called Killer Workout from 1987. Uh, this is kind of what it sounds like. It's by David A. Pryor, who makes a bunch of these like really bad um, cash-in sort of movies. And he, they always star his brother as like an action hero. And Eric, I know we, we were talking about watching Deadly Prey, one of those 80s action movies mm-hmm. that looks really corny. This is by the same director. And his brother is the action hero in that one. Uh, Ted Pryor is the brother. Anyway, so this is a Killer Workout, and it's about this um, woman who gets burned to death in a tanning booth, a t- like a tanning bed. And then... Um, people start dying at this gym in weird ways and you don't know who's doing the, the killings. Could it be this woman who was in a tanning bed? Could it be these creepy guys at the gym that are casually sexually harassing all the girls there? It's like an 80s monstrosity. It is <laughs> not not a good movie, but it's goofy It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's goofy. Uh, Do they ever use I the would... term, like, get ripped in the movie to refer to somebody dying? Because <laughs> they should have. <laughs> not that I remember. This is why we, we should write movies like this, I swear. <sighs> we, we could take that title and we could make, like, a really cool story out of it. But as is, it's nothing special. 
Uh, next, though, is a movie from 1990 called Shakma. Shakma, directed by Hugh Parks. It's an animals attack movie, and this one is amazing. I think you'd really like it because it's about a group of medical students who are playing like this LARP, live-action role-playing game inside a building where their teacher, played by Roddy McDowell, who I love, is the game master, and like he has the all these puzzles. Player? No, no. He, Roddy McDowell was from Planet of the Apes and a bunch of uh, oh. uh, class of 1984 and a bunch of cool movies back in the... I know, he's probably been working for like 60s to the 90s. This is one of his later movies. And so he's the game master of this weird puzzle game that all these kids are excited to play. And the main actor is the guy from uh, the Blue Lagoon, the kid from Blue Lagoon, Christopher Atkins. He's pretty good. Uh, and in this medical facility is a baboon who is injected with some weird uh, chemical or something that makes it go crazy. And they thought someone had put it down to be killed, but it ended up that it was still alive and it escapes and it starts killing everybody during this game. So it's a really cool mashup of like goofy 80s uh, role-playing game uh, antics and killer baboon. And the baboon that they picked is like insanely scary. I don't know how they train this baboon, but it like it goes really crazy when it's trying to break down doors. It's it's pretty cool. It's not a great, great movie because it has some pacing issues, but it's a fun movie. And then the one movie, uh, the final movie of our little horrorthon for October, and the last movie I watched in October, it's called Sugar Hill from 1974 by Paul Maslonsky. Uh, Sugar Hill is a black exploitation movie, which has this cool sort of. Um, folklore vibe steeped in voodoo mysticism where this woman whose um, fiance was killed by this rival gang and she decides to go find the voodoo, I don't know, devil, demon guy. Um, What's his name? Did you say Beyonce? No, no. I don't know what uh, you're referring to. <laughs> the voodoo demon guy's name is Baron Samedi. I don't <laughs> know if you've heard that. It's a real voodoo uh, like mythology. Oh, and it's really cool because she goes and she you know finds this guy in the swamp in like this cemetery, and she gets his help to bring all the dead slaves back to life. And she has a zombie army that she uses to get revenge on this rival gang. And it's it's very cool, very eerie very fun and yeah i recommend this movie it's like a it's a mashup of two very different genres that works because it's kind of grounded in like real mythology and it's it's just a cool atmosphere i really liked it cool so enough about me and my horror movie obsession uh what have you been watching so i did also watch a lot of horror movies but i don't feel like most of them are worth really talking about and maybe these Uh other two that i'm going to talk about aren't actually worth talking about but i kind (laughs) of wanted to play a game because one of these two movies was better than i remember it being and the other one is not as good as i remember it being so i'm going to tell you the titles of the two movies and you can try to guess which is which okay so i watched ridley scott's gladiator 
Okay. And uh, I have no idea who directed this movie, but it is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Let's see. When was the last time you saw Jingle All the Way? <laughs> uh, b- before last night? Yeah. Uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Then I'm going to say that Jingle All the Way was better than you remembered and Gladiator was worse. You nailed it. Oh, really? Cool. <laughs> Unsurprised that it's that way. So tell me, tell me why. Um, so Gladiator, there was a time where it was, I don't know that it was ever in my top five, but especially like right when it came out, it was definitely borderline in my like top five to 10 to 15 range. And I remember mm. that it won the Academy Award for Best Picture for movies did, that came yeah. out in the year 2000. Um, I don't know that it's like something that has not aged well like some of the other Academy Award winners you look back on. Um, it was like just kind of a fine epic movie. Like there, It wasn't bad. There was mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't seem like... For something that I used to love so much, I watched it and I was like bored for large portions of it when he wasn't Russell Crowing about the gladiatorial <laughs> arena or like in the battle scenes it's just mm-hmm. it's got this story that's just really kind of hackneyed revenge he's a roman general who was wronged by the emperor and he's trying to get revenge on the emperor you know mm-hmm. so it i don't know there was just for a movie that was so great or that I thought was so great 20 years ago when it came out um, right. it was just kind of like a run of the mill epic two and a half hour movie that didn't really leave me feeling anything when I was done watching it like I feel like it used to right right I uh, looking back on it all I remember is the cool Russell Crowe parts so maybe I'm just not remembering the other stuff yeah I do remember his kid getting run over by the horses, which I always laugh at. <laughs> I, you know what? Uh, we watched this Saturday night in a socially distanced backyard movie night, and mm-hmm. I was the only one who laughed out loud, and I felt so bad. <laughs> but I just about died. When he bounces off that horse, I'm like, man, yep. I think that kid is actually dead. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's why we're friends. So... Well, why don't you tell us about Jingle All the Way, because that'll lead into the movie I was going to talk about after that. Okay. Um, I This movie came out, I want to say, like, 94, maybe 96, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and I was, like, you know, an angsty teen, and I didn't like it. And I, I think I saw it again in college, and I was just like, meh. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. And of course. In the 90s or late 80s, I guess, probably is when he started doing it. He started doing this thing where it seemed like he alternated between kicking ass and wiping it. And, (laughs) like, what I mean is that he would switch back and forth between, like, his classic 80s bombastic action movies and then do, like, a family-friendly movie. So this was one of his family-friendly movies. And it it is not a great movie, but it's just (laughs) so much fun. Uh, to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger try to play. He's some kind of, like, driven career salesman who's neglecting his family, Rita Wilson. And uh, oddly enough, I was watching it, and I'm like, who is his annoying, whiny son? And it's Jake Lloyd, who, I don't know if 
that name is ringing a bell for you, but he played Anakin Skywalker. Oh, really? Wow. So this movie might have gotten him typecast as the whiny little kid and just ruined basically his life. Yeah, wow. Um, so he's, he, yeah, you know, just watching this gigantic, gargantuan man try to be like an everyman, there's something that's so charming and hilarious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like the odyssey because he's trying to win back his wife and kid and his kid of course wants the hot new toy that nobody can get their hands on and it's christmas eve and there are all of these crazy cameos uh first of all phil hartman i think it was not his last movie but it was like next to last before small soldiers Mm -hmm. right so it was crazy to watch like peak hartman in there as this neighbor who's a single dad he's like the foil to arnold right um just this this ultimate dad family guy and all the wives in the neighborhood seem to want to hook up with him and he of course wants <laughs> arnold's wife and it's just like surreal and hilarious because it's phil hartman who wants to sleep with phil hartman <laughs> that's funny because i don't think i ever saw this all the way through i vaguely remember like slapstick chases with him and sinbad yeah sinbad's and another it. one who like is obnoxious and annoying but in this movie it works and it was kind of funny mm-hmm. um and i forget who oh jim belushi is like this santa member of this toy cartel martin mull's a dj so like all over this movie there are these like you know high b-level actors just showing up and like putting their all in and it's just a, a ridiculous fun family romp that i was like really surprised by this how much I enjoyed watching this stupid movie. Huh. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm going to have to actually watch that for real, maybe around Christmas time. <laughs> cool. Recommended. Well, that, kind of, that leads uh, directly into the next movie, which is also an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 1996. Yes. Eraser? Guess? It was Eraser, yes. Eraser, I was surprised how much I liked it. It was it's directed by Chuck Russell and when the opening titles came on it was like this very 90s like video like almost like a CSI show opening montage <laughs> and I was like oh my god what am I in for this is going to be horrible uh but it was you know it's not it's not top tier Arnold but it's definitely um in the top half of all the Arnold movies I really did enjoy it he plays a someone who is an expert at putting people in witness protection and keeping them safe. Erasing he, them. Yes, erasing them from existence. And he gets caught up in this uh, political scheme of people importing these crazy weapons. And That's the, the one with like the super it. gun, right? There's like yeah, a super a ra- gun that like blows up houses or something real yep, crazy. A, a, a rail gun is what they called it. And it could see through walls and it was super powerful. And... Uh, yeah, it was really cool. It had uh, Vanessa Williams, I think, played the girl. Let's take a look here. And um, it had a bunch of fun little side characters that show up. Uh, yeah, Vanessa Williams. James Kahn was in it. James Coburn. And, you know, James Cromwell. All the good Jameses. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because Arnold is really good at what he does. But when you watch him just have, like, a normal conversation with someone like James Kahn, you're like... Yeah, you're not on the same level, Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> he's he, like James Kahn could just like make a regular conversation seem really cool and, and like he seems so natural. 
Arnold doesn't. But then when Arnold picks up the two rail guns and the look on his face about how happy he is to get these rail guns and like <laughs> blow stuff up, that's what he's good at. Yeah. <laughs> so I recommend this. I don't know why it's kind of one of the lesser known Schwarzenegger movies. I think like but, it, yeah. people got tired of that shtick, like that was mm. so big in the 80s. And I don't know, mm. he had a whole bunch in the 90s that kind of blur together for me. And I mm. love Arnold. So like the sixth day or the eraser or mm-hmm. uh, what were some of the other mid nineties movies? Like they all just kind of seem like one thing. End of days is different because it's religious, but it's still like, mm-hmm. if you said, is it the sixth day? That could be religious. I don't know which movie is, which <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to get, get to those eventually, but I was pleasantly surprised by this one eraser. Uh, okay. So I'm going to take a, a quick detour to a short film. I watched called The Web by um, have you ever uh, Nathan Fielder he does a TV show called Nathan For You which is kind of like this uh, I don't know I won't go into it because it's a TV show I don't want to talk about TV shows but this short film was part of his TV show and the short film is really bad it's only four minutes long and it's about uh, someone trying to hack an asteroid so it doesn't hit the earth and what makes this film really cool is the why it was made and how it was made. And you really just need to understand the backstory of why and how this movie was made. And to do that, you have to watch an episode of a show. But I wanted to talk about it here because as a short film, it's like peak performance art. It's really, really interesting how it came about. And it put things in perspective of like, I think a lot of experimental films, you kind of need to know what the intention was or what the circumstances were or like mm-hmm. some meta text around it because usually experimental films don't like just looking at them they, they're kind of meaningless but if you know more about the why and the how then it could become really interesting so I thought this was a good exercise the web I would definitely check it out uh, you can find it on YouTube and you can find this episode you know wherever wherever people watch TV <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. Oh, the next one on my list is a 2020 movie. I saw a movie from 2020. Isn't that crazy? What? <laughs> yep. Uh, it was Emma. Emma, which came out very early this year, directed by Autumn DeWild, a, uh adaptation of the novel. Um, I don't know how many people need don't know the story of Emma, but it is about this young woman who, in Victorian England, who is single, and of marrying age uh, but she spends all her time kind of meddling in the love lives of everyone around her and eventually uh, has to deal with uh, the consequences it's a really good character arc and this movie is like a very hip modern telling even though it's a period piece very beautiful very like fast and snappy dialogue very funny and fresh Um, Anya Taylor-Joy plays Emma and it has a yes. bunch of fun people, including Bill Nighy. I know you like him. I do. As the, her, her, um, her dad. And he is so funny. He literally just leaps into frame at the beginning of the movie. And he's just obsessed with the drafts around the house. And it, it's just so funny the way he acts. There's I really like that lead actress whose name I've already forgotten. Every movie <laughs> I see her in, I find myself looking at IMDb to be like, who is this like really great young actress? Like, yeah, in, Anya, in the Anya witch, Taylor um, Joy. 
Mm-hmm. Glass. The M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, Glass. And, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, the other one with the the same character, the Beast. Oh, Split. Split. Yeah, I was like, it's not Switch, yep. it's something else. It's a one more <laughs> yeah. thing. And, uh, uh, but she's just fantastic in everything. Yeah, she's got a really like weird look, too. She's she's uh, Yeah, she's got all the ingredients. She's picking interesting movies, and this is another one. I definitely recommend this. I know you're probably not a big period piece person, but this one is fun. You should definitely check it out. Maybe. <laughs> all right, that was Emma. And lastly... I will talk about a movie I know you've seen, Django Unchained by little-known director Quentin Tarantino, 2012. (laughs) Um, You know, this is the story of a slave-turned-bounty hunter that's searching for his lost wife, who's also a slave, and uh, Jamie Foxx plays Django, Christoph Waltz plays Dr. King Schultz, the kind-hearted German bounty hunter who takes him under his wing. You got uh, the normal Tarantino cast of amazing actors. And this is a big movie in scope, in a big movie in big, bold moments and ideas. And Tarantino's so good at creating like individual scenes that kind of like turn the screw with the tension that he creates. My only problem with the movie is like it's so indulgent, which all his movies are. Oh, yeah. I th- and I feel like sometimes it just the, things don't elegantly move from one scene to the other uh, because he is he enjoys taking his time and showing all these cool scenes and each scene is great like I can't deny that um, but I really do like this one I think that it has a cool bold style it's definitely. Uh, anti-slavery but anti-slavery in like a modern hollywood way which Mm -hmm. you know might not be the best way to approach that subject but i can't deny that it's executed really well yeah on a related note uh, i i don't know that this really counts because this isn't necessarily a historical movie but i would love to live in quentin tarantino's alternate history like if um, Inglorious Bastards was actual, like, a documentary, yes. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, was all part of the same actual alternate history of Earth. I think that would be such a cooler place to live. Oh, yeah, yeah. And maybe if this think... was a documentary. I don't know. No, I totally agree. Uh, and that's one thing I like about what he does is, you know, he's not um, accurate to what happened in real life. He's making the entertaining tarantino like version of historical fantasy or whatever you want to call it yeah exactly i think he's one of the great directors i really do i like his style i like his indulgence sometimes though i just you know i wish if the movies were a little tighter they could be like mm-hmm. all five-star movies <laughs> he's got a real gift for taking other people's work and i think he'll he, he'll admit to this like most of his movies are just kind of like carbon copied from somewhere else but then making it distinctly his own mm-hmm. yeah agreed all right so that's uh, all the movies i watched besides the ones for our little dive into a small section of cinema that i'm we're interested to, to hear hear what you picked uh so so the genre i chose was old man action and i wish i should have written down 
the article because I, I found a great genre uh, I, label for it called mm. um, geriatric. <laughs> geriatric action. And I'm just like, that's, that's perfect. Incredible. And I wish I could give credit to whoever, one of the many articles that I read and I didn't think to write it down, but it's so fantastic. And I think... Mm-hmm. When I started thinking about this topic, it became harder to pin down than I would have thought. Because I think, like, and, and most of these articles seem to agree, like, 2008's Taken was really kind of the genesis of this genre. But it doesn't make sense to me. Because you think about, like, Danny Glover's character Murtaugh is mm. an old man in Lethal Weapon. That's, like, a, a prominent part of it. Right. You know, so... I, I, it's hard for me to define this genre because it's like the the famous quote on pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. And there's something <laughs> yeah, about this genre in particular. If Stallone comes out with, you know, Rambo 27 next year, mm-hmm. it's not going to fit this genre, even though by definition he's an old man making an action movie. And I think... I said I couldn't define it, but I think I came up with a couple things that seemed to me to fit uh, the genre in general. And I think one of them is the surprise of the main actor. Like, Liam Neeson is the dad from Love Actually. Like, the single dad with the cute kid uh, before he becomes some kind of weird tree psychic in Game of Thrones. Um, (laughs) Or he's Oscar Schindler. Like, he's not an action star. But then... Right. It's me to believe that old Oscar Schindler is going to beat the crap out of a bunch of people to find his daughter who sold into sex slavery. Right, right. And you see the trailer and you're like, that sounds weird. But it works. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Colin Firth in The Kingsman. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Michael Keaton might have been Batman, but he's not like a, an action guy and he's in that American Assassin movie. So those are like the kind of common thread and I think there's a tone where they just mm-hmm. go for the action. There's not a whole lot of like plot buildup in most of the movies I've seen that I would put in this genre. Right, right. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you have thoughts? Yeah, I, I am of the same mind as you. I was thinking, like, ooh, why wouldn't I put um, John Wick on this list? Because I wouldn't. And I think it's because, right. you know, it's not, you could totally, it's not surprising that Keanu Reeves can do these things and is an action hero because he's been doing it forever and he's really well, good at it. Plus, he's ageless, and he only looks like he's 30 anyway, even if he's, like, 50-whatever. Same thing with Tom Cruise, who's, like, 60 and doing Mission Impossible movies. But um, I would put the Liam Neeson movies. I think that's the quintessential movies in this genre. And um, I wouldn't put Stallone. I think you're right. It's it's sort of like an old actor-actress that has not is not known for this and is kind of making like a new career move in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I, well, let's start talking about Taken. Taken was not one that I watched, but I know this is like the quintessential version of this genre. Uh, what are your thoughts on Taken just in general? Love it. Um, <laughs> Luke Besson, I, I, I think in, in 2008 and it was so unexpectedly, fun to watch in the movie theater just watching liam neeson with his particular set of skills mm-hmm. track down this albanian crime family across europe and just murder the crap out of everyone <laughs> now uh it's directed by pierre morel it was oh. produced by luke Besson. well but my question is 
Would this movie have taken off if there did not have that speech by Liam Neeson on the phone? Because that's, that's like, a great question. That is the one that really gets people in the theater for that. Yeah. If I if someone showed like a revival of this movie for some reason, like a random small theater showed it on a Thursday night, that is the the scene where people would like cheer in the theater. And I'd yeah, be one of yeah. them. And I hate when people do oh. that. <laughs> I know, but that's that's the scene. I mean, that's what makes Liam Neeson good. At, I think this is he can deliver that those lines with such menace that yeah. you just believe it. I don't think the action in that movie is directed really well. I think they kind of have to pull you know pull, pull the punches a bit because Liam mm-hmm. Neeson's not an action star, but it's it's effective. He you know he, I believe that he can do these things. Probably yeah. just because he has that at- attitude. That gravelly Irish voice is mm-hmm. so intimidating. And just the delivery is amazing. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to talk about the movies I watched and then maybe bring up some more. First one I did a little dive on was 2014, directed by Antoine Fuqua, The Equalizer, starring Denzel Washington. Uh, so Equalizer is about, it's basically the same formula. Uh, Denzel Washington plays this guy who has a dark past of some sort, and now he's just kind of, you know, lying low, working at Home Depot, living by himself. And then he gets pulled into these circumstances, just trying to be a nice guy to some prostitute, uh, young prostitute played by Chloe Grace Moretz. And, um... He runs afoul of the Russian mob and has to use his unique set of skills to basically take them down. Uh, would you? Did you, have you seen this? And would you put it in the genre? I haven't, but it is on my list, and I think it fits. Denzel's is one of those weird guys who's kind of done action, but it's right. I feel like it's been like you know, like Training Day, where it's still a drama rather than like a straightforward. Stallone Schwarzenegger kind of action movie, right? Yeah, where I That's think I he can pull too. it off. I thought so too. I thought he was he was mostly doing, uh, mostly known for you know his dramatic roles, right? And that this was a, sort of a like a new action, uh, a new action role that he has never done like a straight action like this before. Um, yeah, like he's played characters who can kick ass, but that's never been the yeah. focus of the character. Right, exactly. And this one, you know, Antoine Fuqua, I always thought, is kind of like a journeyman director. Um, and I still think he is. I don't think he has a great visual style or anything, but he's very competent. Knows what he's doing. Could deliver a good movie if he has a good script. This one doesn't really have that good script. It's pretty straightforward. You can predict everything that's going to happen. And the choice to have Denzel Washington have such major dad vibes in this movie <laughs> is a little baffling to me. Like, he is dressed with, like, the opening scene has him cleaning his New Balance sneakers. Like, they zoom in on his sneakers as he's cleaning them, and they're New Balance sneakers. He puts them on, he's got his jeans, he's got his tucked in collared shirt, <laughs> and he takes the bus to Home Depot. And he's just kind of like, you know, he's such a likable guy. He's like that dad everybody likes. Yeah. And he's kind of like a dad to all the characters at Home Depot. He's being a dad to Chloe Grace Moretz's character. And 
even when he's killing people, he's still wearing that same outfit, and I just could not get it out of my head. I'm like, wow. Does he ever say, bad. like, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me, or <laughs> the other way around, or, like, I'm only doing this for your own good? Because that would be <laughs> No. No, he never has those lines, but, I mean, the vibe is there. It really is. I, I like the movie. It's a solid movie, but it's unsurprising. Yeah. Watch it for Denzel. Denzel's always good. Uh, and that, and watch it for the climax, which takes place in a Home Depot. I won't go into too much detail, but you can picture all the ways to kill people in Home Depot. Here's a, here's fun. a pet peeve I have, and I and I please tell me if this do they use a nail gun? They do. Ugh. I know they, they probably work, don't act like that in real life. Yeah, that 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 really bothers me all the time. <laughs> it's my my own little peculiarity. Right. Well, that's because you know what you're doing with nail guns. I've never touched one, so. To me, they're deadly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, that was the first one I watched. The second one definitely stars someone who was uh, an old actor. 2009, Daniel Barber. The movie is called Harry Brown, starring Michael Caine. Oh. Michael Caine plays a retired ex-Marine. Uh, he's really old in this one. I don't know how old he is, but he's like, past Batman age. Um, and he lives in this like tenement building in this hellscape of England, which is just run by these ch- these gangs of drugged out teenagers who are just beating everybody up and killing people and robbing people. And it just, England is portrayed in such a horrible light, at least this section of England. And after his friend is killed by some of these kids, Michael Caine decides that He's had enough and uses his particular set of skills to start taking out some of these, uh, some of these gangs. Have you, you haven't seen this one, right? I haven't even heard of this one, but I want to watch it now. <laughs> well, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend this one. I liked it even less than The Equalizer. The problem with this one is, after watching it, I don't know if it fits this genre. Because it's very serious. It's very dour mm. and dramatic. Um. Sir Michael Caine, man. Yeah, Michael Caine. He's he's good, of course, but it it's like sad. It's more depressing. There's action scenes, but they're fewer and far between. And I don't know about you, but every time I see a funeral in a movie, I I it kind of just stops the movie dead in its tracks. The last thing I want to watch is a funeral. Every time a funeral scene happens <laughs> in a movie, I'm like, oh god, why do we have to watch a funeral? Just move on. <laughs> like, what about the one in better ways? Crashes? There's better ways of dealing with people's grief on the screen, I think, than actually sure. just having yeah. a funeral. Uh, it's just a pet peeve of mine that I just think it's uh, it's. I've only seen one funeral scene I've liked, and that's in. Uh, um, Wedding Crashers. <laughs> the host, Bong Joon Ho, but I don't I don't remember the Wedding Crashers scene. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Michael Caine does good stuff. You can picture him killing people, even though he's really old, because the scenes are kind of like very methodical in how they're set up. It's not like he just walks in there and starts killing people. Mm-hmm. There's like slow buildup of like, um, you know, these guys are like tormenting him and, you know, he's got, you know, the gun is there and it's like, okay, he's going to get it at some point and kill these guys and, you know. It's unsurprising again, but the tone is just so depressing 
And I think these movies that we've been talking about kind of have like almost a tongue-in-cheek tone. Like they know, you know, they're just having fun. Right. You know, and then this one's not. Mm. Uh, so the last one I watched, the third one, and this definitely fits in the category, 2014, had to watch a Liam Neeson movie. This one is Nonstop by Wame Colette Serra. And I picked this one because it was the highest rated movie out of the unofficial Liam Neeson quadrility that his director has directed <laughs> four movies. The what Commuter, else is in the non- quadrilogy? Uh, the Commuter, Nonstop, Unknown, and Run All Night. Ah. Um, and uh, yeah, so Nonstop takes place on a plane. Liam Neeson is an air marshal. He's an alcoholic, sort of lonely, uh, you know, has his particular set of skills. And someone on the plane is a terrorist or something that is sending him private messages saying he's going to kill somebody every 20 minutes. And Liam Neeson has to figure it out, get to the bottom of it before more people die. And this movie is very plot heavy, very lots of twists, a lot of things that happen. I'm sorry, have you seen this one? I watched this last night. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, why don't, why don't you give me your opinion on this one? Um, it was okay. I so there's there's a part in the movie where they when he first gets the message and there are only three hours left in the flight and I, not not to <laughs> to play with human lives, but I'm just like. So wait, every 20 minutes for three hours is like nine people. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's he's like, before but, they but divert the killer the plane. keeps saying things like, you're going to run out of passengers sooner. And I'm like, there's a hundred people on that plane. What are you talking about? Right. And then they divert the plane and it's only going to be like an hour and a half before they get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So the stakes yeah. could have been higher, I think. Like, it's a cool setup, but it had to go somewhere. And I don't think it really did necessarily i i totally agree i think this movie kind of hinges on the payoff of what's happening right and the payoff was like it was fine it was like wait (laughs) those two guys yeah i was like and those are their reasons i'm like "Ah, all right it's not horrible but it's nothing special i was actually gonna if you hadn't seen this because this is your favorite kind of movie people trapped in a place yes i was gonna recommend you see it and to get your take on it actually Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's my take. I think uh, it's it's fine. It was entertaining, you know, 90 minutes, but it's nothing special. And I think the movie is just way too written. Too written in the fact that everything had to work out perfectly for the story to make sense. And the writers just made it work out perfectly. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't cute. feel like, yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel like things were naturally progressing. It's like, okay, this is what's happening because we're building this like puzzle box and it's going to pay off. Right. It never really pays off. So yeah. that was a little bit of disappointment. But, you know, Wame Colette Sarah uh, has made three other Liam Neeson movies, so maybe some of those I'll enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see every one of those. And actually, right before we started podcasting, I was watching another Liam Neeson movie, which is why I was... Not really. Curious if it was um, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Oh, not familiar with that one at all. Which is, oh gosh, it's based on a book, and I think it's one of those like hard-boiled detective characters. 
you know, who's got okay. probably a long-running literary series. Right, um, right. I didn't know that before I started watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It was really good, at least like the first half hour or so, I was pretty drawn in. Um, he's a detective and a drug trafficker. He's very... The character is very insistent that he's not a drug dealer, he's a trafficker. Uh, oh, but his different. wife was kidnapped, and he paid them, but they, they still murdered him, so Liam Neeson's trying to track down whoever it is that, that did this crime. And the first half hour is pretty solid. It, does this fall into this old uh, Jerry action genre? Or is it, it, uh, it looked more... like it would, and I think it is. The interesting twist is that like a lot of um, these characters are some kind of holic, like a workaholic or an alcoholic, and this character is a former alcoholic. So, what a twist. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess uh, to, to sum up my thoughts on the genre, I think it's it works best when it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing where the everyone's winking at the audience, like, yeah, this is just a lot of fun, that we're having this old guy kill people and we're not taking it too seriously. The action uh, is not going to be directed well because this guy is not a Keanu Reeves or a Jackie Chan. It's just going to be, uh, you know, quick cuts, but we'll get a, a, an actor who can actually, actually act and sell it. And then uh, we'll have some fun with, uh, you know, like a PG-13 or R-rated action movie for adults. I wanted to actually get your opinion before we wrap this whole thing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but I know you love the actor, and I can't... This is one of those borderline movies. Have you seen The Foreigner? Jackie Chan. I have not seen The Foreigner, but I've seen this movie on some of these lists when I was trying to find movies to watch. Yeah. I feel like it fits. Even though Jackie mm-hmm. Chan has done a thousand action movies, this is like mm-hmm. a hard drama. Uh, in the way that like a lot of his movies are more comedic like right, they're right. very action packed but there's a lot of slapstick yes. this is him doing his impression of Liam Neeson <laughs> um, I didn't particularly think it was great I, I thought I actually thought the Jackie Chan character was like kind of sympathetic but also <sighs> I had problems with his actions and his motivations and he just so happens to get lucky that he the person he is tormenting is the villain if that makes sense basically his daughter dies in a terrorist plot Mm -hmm. so he goes after some kind of government official pierce brosnan who you know there's no reason to think that he's involved in this crime except that he's like a former decades and decades ago a member of the ira Okay. this was they think the crime was committed by the ira so he's like tell me who did this there's literally no reason and he starts like basically stalking pierce brosnan and like <laughs> not killing anyone but just like letting him know that he could kill him right right you know like knocking out his guards or like setting up a fake bomb in his car and things like that and i'm like <laughs> oh, wow sounds like the bad guy <laughs> right but you don't know until the very end of the movie that he just so happens to be the bad guy and there's no reason for Jackie Chan's character to think he's the bad guy. Yeah, that seems like a, an oversight. <laughs> and I was just like, but why is he doing this? He's like being a bad person. I guess uh, to fix that, if they just had like one reason that he would know, then that would have probably made it better. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's an easy fix, and I don't. I'm kind of confused as to why they did that. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, are there any other movies that you recommend in this genre? Um, let me think. Probably. I mean, there have been a lot of them. I did like American Assassin, even though. Michael Keaton isn't necessarily the main character. He plays just this badass uh, CIA trainer of the main character who, Mm -hmm. you know, the same thing, kind of like this physically unimposing man, but it just looks like he can handle himself so well. Um, And it's Michael Keaton, so he's phenomenal in that role of, like, the mentor and the absolute badass. Cool. Yeah, that's what I was... uh... That's one of the things I've noticed is, you know, these actors are usually good actors, so they can just pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, like a Colin Firth. Uh, I'm not sure the Kingsman really counts, but, like, mm. if there was a movie just about that character, I think it would because he, who thinks the guy from Pride and Prejudice, like Mr. Darcy or whatever, <laughs> is going to just kill a bunch of people indiscriminately? Yeah, I totally agree. I uh, I wasn't thinking that would fall in this category just because that movie is – even though he's a Jerry action star. Um, I think that movie's more about Eggsy. Well, yeah, and it other things. On the other yeah. Character, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, all right, cool. That was a very interesting dive. Thank you for bringing that topic to, uh, old people me can to do watch stuff some of these too. movies. Yes. <laughs> all right. So I think it's time for an uncommon film recommendation. I'm going to start with one that I don't think a lot of people have seen. It's called Dog Day by 1984, directed by Yves Boisset. Forgive my French pronunciation. Dog Day is a movie about Lee Marvin in 1984. So he's like ancient in this. This is one of his last movies. And he was like this quintessential action star of the 60s. And I think that's why I'm recommending this one is because this is his old man action movie. Um, except this one is like a really weird and incredibly fun exploitation movie where he plays this guy who just had a, was just involved in a robbery and he's running from the police and trying to protect his money. And he winds up on this farm in the middle of nowhere, uh, to hide out, except the farm is filled with this family of like really weird people. Uh, who are not all they seem. There's the, like the, the woman of the farm is like this sex crazed maniac. Who's just always covered in filth. And the kid on the farm is the, is actually the, the, uh, the elf from legend, Ridley Scott's legend. Wow. Which is just weird to see him play an actual kid. And yeah, there's, I won't go into it, but there's just a lot of weird stuff that happens. It's just a lot of fun. And you get to see Lee, Mar- Lee Marvin, really old having romantic relationships with much younger women it's just a, such an oddity what i've always dreamed of yes dog day 1984 that is my recommendation perfect <laughs> i'm not sure how uncommon or whatever it is um my movie is new from 2018 newer i guess and it is the old man and the gun which is kind of a weird thing because I think it was a very small release, but it has so many big people and like 
a director, David Lowery, who is now becoming bigger and making bigger movies. Um, did you see this one? No, I wanted to, though. I really enjoyed it. Um, it feels like a much smaller... It feels like a small movie. Um, and like I know that besides me, the only other person I know who's seen it was the person I went with. Mm-hmm. So it's a one of those quasi-true stories about a really, really interesting guy named Forrest Tucker, who's the Robert Redford character. Um, he was a real person. Uh-huh. And this is, like, using big air quotes, this is his life or the end of his life he was basically this career criminal he uh did legitimately escape from jail many many times and the movie takes place in the early 80s in 1979 the real forest tucker escaped from san quentin by building a kayak and paddling away 100 percent a true story so this wow. takes place after <laughs> that where he is in his 70s and he's robbing banks and he's known as like this really really super polite nice man who just so happens to rob banks and it's just this really charming movie that kind of like almost defies genrefication because half of it's the love story between the Robert Redford character and the Sissy Spacek character who mm-hmm. he met while after robbing a bank and kind of used her as cover but then became intrigued by her life and there's a police procedural element because Casey Affleck is the young detective trying to track down this kindly old bank robber um, and there's like the heist aspect of it so it kind of plays with all of these genres at the same time and I thought the cinematography was really cool. It's shot, I don't know what kind of film grain or if it was in post-production, but they made mm-hmm. it look like almost a gritty 70s, 80s movie feel, even though it's it's clearly not. But it's just something about the colors and the grit of the film. Like All these small attentions to detail just make a really fun, fun, marvelous movie, I thought. Okay, great. That was yeah, actually that the music one... that was playing on my computer when... We started this call. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's one I, I I'll definitely have to watch that. I didn't realize the cast was so good. Yeah, that looks cool. All right, so uh, that is it for today. Again, you can follow me as Long Monkey on Letterboxd, and you can find my weird fiction and other projects at proleary.com. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having fun. me. My pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night and sweet dreams.